and welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. Me and Wally finally back together. What, I feel like it's been like a month. Feels like an eternity, bud. And just so happy to see you. Football is back this week. That's all we're going to talk about. We're not even going to have any funny stories. All serious, all being stern about these over-unders and the offseason coming to a close and the new season finally beginning this week. But before we get in there, Wally, how the hell are you, bud? It has been way too long. Dude, it has been too long. It really has. It's been about a month, like you said. Now, we'll get into you in a second. You've had your own crazy couple weeks here, kind of stuck in your own little prison there as COVID's coming back better than ever. But before we get into that, I guess, I had a wedding this past weekend. It was a lot of fun. A couple of my best friends got married. It was one of those really cool ones that you actually enjoyed everything about it because you actually like everybody there. Because usually, you know what I'm talking about, where one of your buddies marries someone you don't like or you hate their friends. It's miserable. But luckily for me, the Hoffners and Pampalones over here, I love both families. And they're both in Aruba right now, which is making this pretty hard for me to get excited about as we got the rain and storm right behind me. But Steven, you've got your own little, I guess, crazy story this last couple weeks. What, you got the cocoa? You're stuck in your room right now? How long you got left? Today is my last day in isolation, so I'm actually going back into the office tomorrow, and I never thought I'd be this excited to go back into work. My goodness, let alone doing this podcast, finally human interaction that isn't revolved around work as well. So for you people, you can't see it right now. We don't have we don't have video, but this man's lettuce is so on point. He's usually rocking the no guard fucking, oh, what is it? American History X Derek haircut, and now you're letting it flow. I fucking love it. But yeah, my last two weeks have been, they've been fun and horrific. So it started off, the reason I missed that, you know, our last episode, I was in Charleston for a bachelor party. So I got there Wednesday, got there a little Wednesday at like 2.30 in the morning. So late Tuesday, early Wednesday morning, started getting completely after it, went on a little bit of a bender, few day bender. I mean, we're playing golf, we're drinking, I'm seeing high school buddies. So of course it gets a little bit out of hand. And then when I get back that Monday, which I already called off of work because I'm a fucking pro, people. Already had the Monday off after the bachelor party off. Felt like absolute dog shit. Never felt like this before. Had a headache from hell. Like, it wasn't a part of the head. It was my whole head throbbing. I've never felt anything like that. Tuesday, wake up. Still don't feel it. Called off work. Go get tested. Tested positive. So I've been in, in, uh, in my room here for about nine days. Nine days, ten well, ten, but I went downstairs on one of those days. But nine days in this room, I've done nothing but honestly, it's been heaven. I just watched the NFL training camp coverage on NFL Network. Got the N64 hooked up right next to me with another 45-inch TV sitting on the ground. Been playing Galaga, Miss Pac-Man, Dig Dug. Been getting way too good at it. I think I racked in like what high score of the day, 136,000 on Galaga. Is yeah, it, was that uh, that same game on 64 where all of them are on that one same cube? And you, begin, you got it, I baby. remember that vividly. Oh, my mom. Dude, shout out to Gail Weed, Gail LaRock now. She's the one who found it back in the day. We would just sit there for hours and play it. So it was uh, nostalgic. And all I got to do this past weekend was watch watch NFL coverage and, and play in 64. I think it's a pretty solid weekend. I probably have another weekend of that ahead of me. But it has been a crazy two weeks. Like I said, I'm glad to finally be back on the podcast, dicking around with you, Walter. Dude, we're happy to have you back. And yeah, I remember similar story going down 
North Carolina with friends at the start of the new year. And that's when I got it. And like you just stuck in the same room. You don't, you start realizing that you appreciated or underappreciated things that are in your life every day. When like, damn, I think I watched like 10 to 12 seasons of survivor because I was so bored stuck in my basement. And that was at the end of the NCAA season. It was the middle of the playoffs. So you're hearing the same story over and over again. So I didn't even have those free agent like time with like the NBA. You didn't have the trade stuff, training camp. So that's pretty awesome. But yeah, I am excited to have you back on here. Let's, uh, what do you say? We talk some football. It's finally back tomorrow, Thursday, August 5th. We have the Hall of Fame game. So the festivities are finally starting. We couldn't give two shits about the game. Got the Cowboys and Steelers that are playing. Hell, 16 of the Cowboys starters aren't even coming. There's 16 players on their roster. That's including Dak, Amari, Tyron Smith. Zeke is the only one, surprising that's not listed on there. So I'm assuming that he's going to be there, at least travel with the team. But obviously the Hall of Fame game has gone through the shit of the past decade. I remember being ex- being excited for it and then realizing it really doesn't fucking matter because the Hall of Fame game is an absolute joke. But you know we're looking forward. We essentially have three three classes going in this this weekend of the Hall of Fame. So there's a bunch a bunch of stars. Our boy Charles Woodson. You know we got Peyton Manning there. Tom Brady's traveling to go to the Hall of Fame ceremony for Peyton Manning, and of course a bunch of other studs that we can't even go on the list. I don't think we have enough time. But football is back, Wally. We're the first week. Thoughts on the Hall of Fame game? Obviously, how pumped are you to see a couple of your boys couple of your Raiders boys getting in there finally. Yeah, dude, this class is awesome. I mean, between Flores and Charles Woodson, it couldn't be any better as a Raider fan. Remind you, obviously, how special this is for these guys, too. The, you get the resurfacing of the videos where that giant, like, seven-foot-tall dude, you hear that lightning in the background? You like that? My goodness. Well, no, I, I heard thunder. You see lightning, hear thunder. Go to a science class. I know you've got a doctor in English, but you got to study something else. All right, you got me there. All right, I walked into that. But yeah, that was the thunder right behind me. Anyways. We're, we're the thunder and lightning that they're listening to right now. The lightning and the thunder. Yeah, please don't reference that song, but yeah, continue. It just happened. It's been referenced. But I, I'm pretty fired up about this Hall of Fame class. It's it's going to be special. It's a bummer almost that you get guys like Peyton Manning that have the eight-minute time frame window on the speech. All because Ray Lewis took like an hour 45, it feels like, a few years ago. But what are they going to do? Fucking give them the give them the sound like they're at the Grammys or the Oscars? They're not kicking those guys off. They're Hall of Fame. They got the gold jacket, baby. Allegedly, they're planning on kicking them off. We'll see if they actually do that like that. Like, if Peyton Manning decides to make his eight-minute speech a nine-minute speech, who's going to tell Peyton Manning no for his Hall of, Hall of Fame enshrinement? Everybody's fired up to see this. Like you said, they're going to the game real quick. It's not what it was when we were growing up because it really was just like football is back. I mean, now we've had even in the past, what, decade, we had a game canceled. You start realizing, hey, this is a fifth preseason game. Obviously, they changed the rules on how many you have there. But this was for the longest time a game that no one would play in. You just mentioned the Cowboys aren't like starting at all. This is fun for teams like the Raiders typically, though. Because this is when you can talk yourself into your young quarterbacks looking really good because they're playing basically practice squad talent guys. You're going to see Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph play the whole first half. That's what I'm fired up to see. 
Because all accounts coming out of Pittsburgh's camp right now is that Dwayne Haskins has outperformed Mason Rudolph. It's not the highest praise in the world, but you know I'm a Dwayne Haskins truther, so I'm going to talk myself into he is the replacement. He is the next big Ben in Pittsburgh. That's already better than the stories that were coming out of him towards the tail end of Washington there. You know, he wasn't competitive whatsoever. I mean, Taylor Heineke won the job because, I mean, this guy cannot perform in the game. Just When you have a defense like that, you have to be able to perform, and you're going to a team with arguably a better defense, at least a more seasoned defense, but still a top five, top seven defense in the NFL. I would argue maybe a little bit more weapons. The offensive line is going down the shitter like the Washington football team had, and the, and the run game isn't as good, but we will see how Najee Harris is. People will not – Stop freaking out about his camp. Apparently, the, every time he's touching the ball, the Steelers fans can't go 15, 20 seconds without hearing a nausea chant. And I have seen just him going through the bags, the way that he glides so effort, effortlessly. It's like a faster Le'Veon Bell, how he just glides there. And it's it's going to be very fun. Of course, you got Calvin Johnson. Who, who's not looking forward to Peyton Manning? How funny that dude is all around. You're going to mix that with the seriousness, obviously, with the emotional you know, how emotional he's going to be on a, on a day like that in, in the spotlight. So good luck holding them to eight minutes. If anyone's likely to go over that eight-minute mark, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Peyton Manning or that Calvin Johnson. But at that point, your boy Tom Flores has to go over eight minutes. He waited over, what, three, four decades. He's not going to fucking take, you know, they're not going to take eight minutes. They shouldn't, you know, representing him. But we'll see how that goes. And Charles Woodson, he's going in as a Packer though, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's a good one. What no, he, he, he just has the ring, Defensive Player of the Year. That's all I'm saying. I'd argue two Hall of Fame careers within that one. I would actually be more inclined to agree with you there, just because Charles Woodson, realistically, people our age, he's probably the best defensive back, or at least true corner that we saw, because we did have the luxury of watching the Ed Reed, Sean Taylors, Troy Polamalu's of the world. But as a true corner what, short breath with maybe Champ Bailey. So it was a lot of fun to watch that guy grow up, especially on our teams. So I'm I'm really excited for these guys. And like you said, guys like Tom Flores, I hope he talks as long as he wants to. You waited forever in a day. You're not going to limit these guys in their moment to just eight minutes. I, I have a kind of an issue with that if they want to go longer. But ultimately, yeah, you're going back to the Steelers. I'm talking myself in again. You remember what I did with Washington last year? Pick them to win the division because of Dwayne Haskins. Not that high this year on the Steelers, but I will say if like what's been coming out of that camp is true, they have reason to at least be optimistic about the future. The talent's never been the question there. It's a lot of it's been the maturity and the work ethic. And I mean, realistically, the guy's only played one season since high school. So I'm going to give him not a pass because he doesn't deserve a pass yet, but I'm going to give him another opportunity, and I think Pittsburgh's a good spot for him if that offensive line continues to at least. It can't get worse, right? You'd think it wouldn't, but, you know, you got Pouncey that's retiring. You have Alejandro Villanueva that was a staple at your left tackle position. You know, he he went over to the rival Ravens, so we'll see how that offensive line's going to look because it's, it's very hard to – both the Pouncey brothers are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Marquise, he probably at least deserves that conversation at the very least. But yeah, I guess you can go all the way back to, I guess not all the way back, a couple of years back with Saquon. 
The guy has all the intangibles in the world. He's done everything right. You hear about how much of a freak athlete he is. At the end of the day, you still have need to have an offensive line to make plays as a running back, at least as a true runner. Out of the backfield as a receiver, we got to see a little bit more of that impact. Maybe we're going to see the same thing for Najee. But I think it's going to take time for everything because that, that offensive line is going to be the Achilles heel on that team all year. They're young in a lot of positions, obviously, other than outside of quarterback. That's where the age really shows. But, yeah, they have a young offense. The Steelers have that core group of guys. They got the pass rush and TJ Watt. They got the young leader in the secondary, Minka Fitzpatrick. Obviously, you're losing Bud Dupree, so we'll see how, how good T.J. Watt goes with all eyes on him on the offensive line and the tight ends that are blocking him. The young wide receiving core, yeah, they aren't special, but they were causing a lot of problems individual game-wise. Like, if it wasn't Claypool going off, it was Juju. If it wasn't Juju, it was Claypool. Sprinkled in a little bit with Deontay Johnson. And then, like you said, Najee Harris, that you know is going to have a lot to prove with lack of offensive line that the Steelers are used to. But we're talking way too much for the Steelers and for the Cowboys for the Hall of Fame game. Let's dive right into the NFL stories. We're actually going to keep them in the division here for the first couple. Justin Houston, veteran edge rusher that formerly with the Chiefs spent the spent the year last year with the Can- Kansas City with the Indianapolis Colts, signs a one-year four, up to $4 million deal with the Baltimore Ravens. Personally, I think this is a great addition. I don't understand why Justin Houston – was sitting out for that long. I understand, obviously, because of his age, when well, he's like 35, 36, he's approaching that retirement stage, losing Matt Judon. You also lost Yannick Ngakwe. Y- Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah, I was getting there, baby. I know you're pumped about Yannick Ngakwe. That's your boy. But losing those two guys and adding Justin Houston, that veteran leadership in the locker room, obviously his production isn't where it used to be, but he can. he's still going to be able to produce with the very, very stacked Ravens defense. Seventh overall last year, sixth in passing, eighth in rushing. That's only going to help, and I don't really see him missing a beat. Uh, You're right. The age definitely was an impact on him being signed later. We saw it with the Steelers and Melvin Ingram, who will be that guy also that gets to step in and replace Bud Dupree. little callback to your last question there. But Justin Houston, with Baltimore in that environment, the way that defense seems to just reload year in and year out, regardless of who is coming in and who's exiting that facility. So I do think it's a great move for them. I still think they're very much in play to potentially win that division. I think it's probably between them and the Cleveland Browns right now. Baltimore has a lot going on, but ultimately it goes back to that Lamar Jackson question. If It's going to come down to Lamar. Justin Houston can do great. He can make that defense even better. Offense still has to score in the postseason. We're at that day and age where good offense beats good defense, and the Ravens offense has to do that as well now. So credit to them. Justin Houston, especially in the regular season, is going to make a big impact. But I don't know necessarily how much of that postseason impact we're going to see. My eyes are still hung up on that offensive backfield. Like I said, we're going to keep churning within the AFC North. Speaking about O-line play, Nick Chubb, Browns, Agreed to a three-year, $36.6 million extension, 20 mil of that guaranteed. So, obviously, I think the Browns won this. Nick Chubb only becomes the sixth-highest paid running back in the league. Like I said, they are clearly the winner being able to lock him down early and for a cheap price tag because you know he's going to be asking for the bag on that next contract here, what, in four, 
what, four or five years, depending on how long Nick Chubb still has on that current contract. Talk about offensive line as a staple if you want a good running game. The Browns are going to be projected the number one offensive line, obviously led by J.C. Treader, Joel Petonio, Jack Conklin. I'm sure I'm butchering that Italian guy's name, so I really hope he doesn't listen to before he murders us. On top of having Wyatt Teller as the other guard opposite of Joel. So this Browns offensive line is stacked. Obviously, they, they got Baker there behind slinging. OBJ is going to be healthy. But then you, you lock down a top three running back in a league where you were third in rushing last year. Paired that up with Kareem Hunt. This is a dangerous duo that's only going to help this team last later in January, potentially February. I don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. What did you think about the contract? I'm thinking you think the Browns won with me as well, but I want your thoughts on that. So I usually hate paying running backs. I think it's a terrible decision. You have one solid four or five year stretch on that rookie deal with that running back, especially if you get him in the first round, Nick Chubb was early second. So you didn't have that fifth year option. Awesome move. I was stunned that they got him at this price tag. I hate paying them, but if you can get them to kind of take a hometown discount like this, not taking the CMC money, that's a massive win. That is a massive win. I didn't think it was going to happen. I was really prepared to see them overspend on him in the shadow or the preview of the Baker contract, which you know is also going to be large, purely on market value. So I was really impressed that they were able to get this deal done for as cheap as they were able to get it done. Like you said, what, three-year, 36 and change, $20 million guaranteed. He's proven that he's dependable, too. The guy is a mean son of a bitch when he's running that football. And behind that offensive line, man, I tell you what, you're taking a lot of pressure off Baker. I'm a Baker defender to the day I die because I truly think he's got a lot of talent. But when you have an offense like this, when you have receivers like this, tight ends like this, running backs like this, he has everything in his power to succeed. We have to see it happen now. Because even the defense with those additions coming in this year in the secondary, this team is poised to beat the Chiefs if they get Baker Mayfield playing at the top level. I mean, it only takes one. It only takes one. We saw how close they were this last year, even with Mahomes missing the last 20 minutes of that game. The Browns are not far away right now from being a Super Bowl threat. Chad Henney. Chad Henney. Chad Henney. Dude, brutal. No, yeah. Michigan I, I quarterback nonetheless. Man, no kidding. Yeah, double-edged sword. Well, the Browns need Nick Chubb. They were 23rd in passing offense last year. Now, obviously, I know you lose Odell, but you could argue that they were a little bit better when Odell wasn't on the field. I felt like they had a more complimentary football team when Odell wasn't on there instead of just for trying to force-feed him and obviously get the star of the ball. But you don't need when you have when you have someone like Nick Chubb producing the way Nick Chubb and with the compliment of Kareem Hum right behind him, you don't need Baker Mayfield to play outstanding. You don't need like the four hundred, five touchdowns, zero interception games. You need a solid three hundred, two touchdowns, not looking at any picks, don't turn the ball over, because you can rely on Nick Chubb on those days. Chiefs rushing defense isn't that amazing. Their defense overall really isn't that crazy. But when you're, when you're able to put up 50 points, your defense can do whatever the fuck they want because they're always playing with the lead. This Browns team is going to be is going to be dangerous. Nick Chubb potentially leading the league next year. Why would he not be the favorite? Derrick Henry's got Julio Jones in that offense now. Why would Nick Chubb not be the favorite? Kid is, like you said, he's a mean SOB when he runs that rock, and I would not want to get in front of him. 
between him and Derrick Henry, those are two people I do not want to stand in front of when they got the ball. Yeah, well, and he's almost got a little bit of that shiftiness, too, where you mentioned Derrick Henry. You know what you're going to get out of him. He's going to run through you. Nick Chubb has that ability to run through you, but he also has the ability to make you miss in the open field. I know Derrick Henry's a lot faster than people give him credit for, but Nick Chubb is really fast. I remember coming out of school because he played in a really talented backfield. I want to say that right before him, you had Todd Gurley right after with Sonny Michelle. But there was a moment where I thought he was the least talented running back on that roster at Georgia. And now I feel like an idiot looking back where I'm like, wow, he was better than Sonny Michelle. He was better than Todd Gurley. I mean, he's truly becoming one of the feature backs in the entire league. And he has Kareem with him. That's only going to keep him fresh and healthy as well. So a lot to be excited for in Cleveland at this moment, which is not exactly what we can say about Indianapolis, Stephen. I, I want to throw it over there because we've been really harping on the AFC North. Let's get a little bit else here in the AFC. Big news coming out of Indianapolis this week. We thought at first it was just Carson Wentz. Had a little bit of a twinge in his foot. He's going to be missing 5 to 12 weeks after he's going to have surgery on his foot. But if it couldn't get any worse, here it does. Quentin Nelson, one of the best interior offensive linemen in the entire league, has basically the same injury. It was obviously, his was more, I think that they said that he was born with something that made him more susceptible to this. But he's out for 5 to 12 weeks with surgery as well. So now you could make a case the best two players on this offense are out for at least the first month and change of the year. All of a sudden, I got to imagine people out there are starting to see the light. The Tennessee Titans are going to win this division. Am I wrong? I won't keep sleeping on Houston, baby. Keep sleeping on the Texans. Yeah, I mean, you're so right. This this is gone from worse to horrible. If you thought it can get worse, like Carson Wentz, Indy already going into the third straight offseason with the third different quarterback that they, you know, that they have on the roster. Third different starting quarterback, Andrew Luck, Phillip Rivers, both lost to retirement. Now you have Carson Wentz, who biggest problem is can't keep him on the field. And then when he's on the field, he can't produce with the offense because there's always lack of time with the offense, hence never being on the field because he's injured. It's not like they gave up a lot to get him, but when you have all of this offseason, you're getting so hyped just for this to happen. Are we really that surprised? Carson Wentz cannot stay on the field, but it is absolutely gut-wrenching for those Indianapolis Colts fans that, you know, now they're going into their third third offseason with a fourth different different starting quarterback. Why not just bring Phillip Rivers back? He didn't really seem like he wanted to retire. Felt like he was kind of forced out. Why not bring him back? He's got it. He's already got the system down. Obviously, getting him back in shape is going to be the number one concern there. But why not bring back an, another veteran quarterback that, that can hold you for however long and maybe not have to rush Carson Wentz for that 12 weeks. Maybe let him push off till the end of the year or just take the whole year off and just get 100% healthy and get him right back. It's like you stole the thought out of my mind because everybody wanted to go right away to Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, let's call up San Francisco. Let's get Trey Lance basically to start out there at the same time you get a competent backup coming in Jimmy G that can hold the spot down. No, I'm with you. Phillip Rivers definitely didn't seem very eager to retire. And now all of a sudden there's a lot of little smoke signals out there that he's basically saying, hey, I'd uh, entertain the idea of coming back this year. Why not? He knows the system. He's not going to hurt you that much 
more than you bring in another backup at this point. Yeah, his arm isn't what it used to be, but that football IQ is better than it ever has been. You only need him for a month, two months of the year. Talk about having a great backup, or at least somebody that would be awesome in a locker room. He can literally help Carson Wentz take that next step as well. Because at this stage of his career, Philip Rivers realizes, I'm not Philip Rivers anymore. I'm not coming in here to be the guy. I'm coming in here. I'm being a glorified placeholder that we understand can, at the very least, not lose you games. I think it's a great idea. I would be shocked if you don't at least hear the Colts reach out and see if that's something that they can make sense money-wise, make sense for what Phillip wants as his role. Because they're not going to give up all that they did for Carson Wentz just to say, hey, you know what? Philip will let you have the reins this year. We'll we'll basically ease in Wentz. If Wentz has even a chance not to start, that won't happen. Is Philip going to come out of retirement just to play for a month or two, then and then ride the pine? You know, he's not. You always have one of the, all those players that they've been starters so long that they just can't. They can't be coming off the bench. They can't just be sitting in in the film room not starting. You know, you can't tell a 17, 18 year starter that you're going to be coming off the bench. We need you for a month out of retirement. I just don't see it as realistic. A lot of chirping that I've been hearing is them trading for Nick Foles from the Chicago Bears. Frank Reich, Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl in Philadelphia. Carson Wentz reliving his nightmare for the for the third time, having Nick Foles step in, you know, as his replacement. But that's always a possibility. That's a crowded QB room there in Chicago between Justin Fields, Andy Dalton and obviously Nick Foles, why not get him out there, Chicago, and get some benefit, maybe get like a fifth or a sixth round, maybe a first round, second round conditional pick, but why not go for Nick Foles? You're not going to be using him there. He's an absolute last resort in case both Justin Fields and Andy Dalton collided to each other, both tearing each other's ACLs at the same time. Then you need Nick Foles. If that's the case, why not just trade him over there? Seeing Carson Wentz get cucked by Nick Foles again, would be hilarious. Like it It'd would be awesome. It would be It'd for be us. Awesome. It would be for us. Just imagining Carson Wentz being like, finally, like I'm home free. I'm away from Peterson. I'm away from Nick Foles. Has a little twinge in his foot. Got to have surgery real quick. I'll miss a couple months. Let us call in Nick Foles. He can hold it. Oh, like he can hold your spot for you. We've seen how well that goes. That's hey, miserable. buddy, how you feeling? Carson well, Wentz would literally walk into that quarterback room, see him, and just panic and go, no, no, not again. Everybody, chill out, man. It's okay. It's okay. I'm assuming that Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, is like any time Toby walks into Michael Scott's office. Oh, Toby, can you, can you please close the door when you leave? Thanks. You mentioned Toby. When he first came back from going to Cuba in like season five or six or whatever, and Michael sees him and does that famous gift that no, God, no, please, no. That will literally be Carson Wentz on crutches, walking into the quarterback room like, hey, guys, I'll be fine in a month or so. And then you just see big old Nick Foles standing there like, uh, yeah, dude, I'm ready to play. Dude, it's okay. Like, <laughs> take your time, bro. I'm in no rush. It's fine, dude. They pay you here too. Isn't this crazy? Dude, we have a defense here. Isn't that great? Remember we were in Philadelphia when we did it? Yes, I remember, Nick. Why are you here? He would be the guy, though, to keep bringing up the Super Bowl. Do you remember that time with the Philly special, like when I did that play? 
And like, where were you? Oh, you were you weren't playing it. My bad. I forgot. Coach asked me, and I said that play, and then he called it, which was insane. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming that dynamic is like the real father, and then the new hot stepfather that he can never get away from. Oh, yeah. Hey, Nick. Yep, little uh, little Tommy's not doing too bad. Thanks for asking. He, yep. And he goes, oh, what's up, little tyke? No. So you basically no, just described Daddy's Home with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Great movie if you haven't seen it. Mark Wahlberg, absolute legend. Will Ferrell actually isn't overacting for once. Let's move wow, it on, that was, baby. First of all, I was originally going to say calling it a great movie was a stretch. Now you don't like Will Ferrell either? Never said I didn't like Will Ferrell, but you can't deny that he doesn't overact as the tinge sometimes. Not like Jim, not like Jim Carrey overact, but Will Ferrell definitely will just be like, all right, let's let's wrap it up. It's like he almost had, gives me that feeling of like Steve Harvey on Family Feud. You're like, all right, you've been grilling this family for like ten minutes. Can we fucking move on to the question? I'm with you at least on Jim Carrey. For Will Ferrell though, I mean, there's moments like Get Hard. It's a terrible movie, but they have those like minute long clips that live on forever. Like that scene where he's practicing his yeah, trash. Yeah. Talk. Clips from clips from get hard, live on forever. Get off my fucking face. Come on. Uh, well, you've seen that line. I'm talking about like where he's sitting in like the courtyard doing his Peter Piper pecked a pick of pickled cocks, like shit like that. It just makes me laugh. Makes no sense, but it was great. He can overact at times. Overall, Will Ferrell's the man. But no, but he doesn't overact like Jim Carrey. But there's times I'm like, all right, Willie, let's wrap it up. Kicking okay. and screaming, though, pristine. Okay. All right. You know what? I'll, uh, I'll at least say that we're on the same, like, atmosphere for this one. Atmosphere. Yeah, that's not, that's not a big, spacious area. I hate you. I know you do. I know you do. So, obviously, as you guys can tell, the offseason's done. We had training camp start. All 32 NFL teams were in action on Saturday. It was glorious. Like I said, my weekend was spent literally glued to the TV, watching the NFL coverage on it, watching the various interviews. And, of course, the number one thing that everyone was paying attention to, not, a, not during the offseason, not only during the offseason, but every single second that Aaron Rodgers has a mic in front of him, the man, the bad motherfucker from Cali is back. Of course, with a little bit of drama, Aaron Rodgers finally back in Green Bay, 100% in. His words, not mine, but I'm. I would say 110, but I don't want to. I don't want to jump any guns here. The man's 100% back in. Randall Cobb back on the team. One of the first things Aaron Rodgers did. Obviously, he didn't like how the front office was addressing veteran players that had played with him in the past, losing them to contract. And the front office, just in general, not asking for his opinion or letting him have a seat at the seat at the desk, seat at the table about these offseason decisions. Randall Cobb being one of them, looks like the front office listened about 12 years too late, got Randall Cobb for Aaron Rodgers to keep him happy. But man, I mean, there's there's so much stuff that we can cover with this. I want to go on. I want to go off. But, Wally, what were your thoughts about Aaron Rodgers' presser sounding off over the GM? Randall Cobb being back. Aaron getting his revised deal. Voiding the, the 2023 year. Leaving him in Green Bay until the end of 2022. But, realistically, this is going to be the last season, it, it's seeming like. What are your thoughts about everything in the Aaron Rodgers drama that has concluded over here the past week? All right, well, remember that I am not a Packer fan, so I'm trying to give the other edge here. I am happy for you, 
You like cheese, though. You I like love, cheese. I love cheese. I love me some beer. Basically, Wisconsin as a whole. Love the entire state. I got spotted to celebrate. Cow. I was going to say, I got spotted cow. I got to celebrate on your behalf for the Wisconsin Knights up there for the Bucks win while you were gone a couple weeks ago. So I thought they were going to have to hang on their hats to that because Rodgers was done. I was wrong. That over-under at nine. Glad we didn't do it last week without you here. But, all right, I've got to give the other side now. So I had a few mixed thoughts here, especially I'll start with the presser. I can't stand Gunnikus or that front office. I agree. But he was referencing a lot of things that occurred under a different regime. And I was just confused why he waited until now to say most of this stuff. I don't necessarily, I guess, understand what it was accomplishing. You're blaming people that didn't do it. Uh, I don't know. That felt weird. Randall Cobb, you didn't give up a lot from like draft pick perspective. But it did confuse me just bringing in that contract. You obviously do it just to make Aaron Rodgers happy. That's without a question. But this is a guy that's, what, about 30 now? He has not had 1,000 yards in a season since all the way back in 2015. A lot of those, like, six, 700-yard years in there. He was, I, I don't know. I feel like because of Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams... We, don't forget about my boy James Jones. Don't forget about James Jones, another Raiders icon, naturally. I feel like he's almost elevated basically on their reputation. So I wasn't as high on that. And then my last thing, I guess, with the revised deal, like you kind of alluded to at the end of your question there, it makes the Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, Instagram last dance post make a lot more sense. It probably was the best way for Green Bay to basically say, hey, we do have at least one more crack at it with you, but we will basically give you the freedom you are looking for if you come back, if you basically give us a break from... I mean, without being mean, he was a distraction. He's been a distraction for months now. And they basically just said, hey, we want you to basically be a part of this team. That circus is behind us at the end of the contract you said he voided 23 so yeah naturally at the end of the year shake our hands we'll be happy we go our separate ways we're going with jordan love i want to hear your thoughts now packer guy fuck no that is not how i want this to go down at all yeah so they voided 2023 making making the contract he has two years under green bay but it's set so they can revisit everything like they did this offseason. But obviously with a much better mended relationship with the front office, I'm hoping. With Brian Gutekunst, guy's an absolute fucking joke. Oh, my God. The press conference when they're asking about Randall Cobb. Yeah, well, Aaron wanted it, and, that, and that's and that's why we did it. If, and, uh, if he wasn't here, we probably wouldn't have done that. Yeah, no fucking shit, dude. Where has this been the past however long you've been up, up in the office? What, six years? It is – the dude's an absolute fucking pussy. He needs to get out. I'm still on the fire goot. That's going to be able to keep Aaron in there long term. He is just, this is a band-aid on the year. Yeah, good job. You got Randall Cobb. Sick. You revised Aaron Rodgers' contract, so essentially he's going to be walking out the door by the, end of, by the end of next year. Aaron was asked today during a press conference how his relationship was with Brian Gunacuste is. Obviously, quote-unquote, it's a work in progress. We need a lot of things. It's not something that gets mended in two days. This is going to be a season-long thing that I hope that they can keep mending and potentially move forward so Aaron can end his career in Green Bay. Because why the hell would you not? You're seeing what Tom Brady's doing right now. That's the last thing you want. 
See how much fun Tom Brady's having? Why can't Aaron have that much fun? But, I mean, going back to his press conference, sounding off, it was fucking glorious to sit back and watch Aaron do that. I mean, pick apart. Individually naming players they they shouldn't have let go. How many times have you heard me talk about how we let go of Casey Hayward and uh, Micah Hyde? Yeah, Hyde. Northwest Ohio, baby. Yep. When they, when they, when, I mean, how many times do you hear me speak about Casey Hayward, Micah Hyde being let go? Players like that, you're not holding on to veterans like Clay Matthews, doing Jordy Nelson dirty, another Raiders legend. You doing, you did Randall Cobb dirty. You know, you did all these players dirty, and I love how Aaron was just laying out all the dirty laundry. I fucking loved it. And it's, especially for me, that is something I have been talking about for the past decade, and to see Aaron actually say everything it made me actually feel like a genius for once that's quickly going away don't worry guys it was my 15 minutes of knowledgeable fame went on but Aaron just airing out all the dirty laundry it's it was what was needed and hopefully this is gonna cause the relationship to be way better moving forward and hopefully get Jordan Love out of there and get Aaron long term get Devontae long term everyone shut the fuck up get happy and, and go on to win championships once Tom Brady's 16 retired hopefully now, I have to ask you, though. So, clearly, you, and I think a lot of people, it was almost cathartic to get that frustration out because it, it should be frustrating only having one Super Bowl in the Aaron Rodgers tenure. But a lot of the things he brought up obviously happened under, like, different guys in the front office. What did that serve to you? Well, Gutekus was there during Favre. Like, Gutekus made his way up. So, he's been in the front office for a while. So, the fact that he's seen it happen with Favre and he's essentially letting it happen now. So, that's what he's saying. Is He's just, like, retroactively saying you were a part of the culture. You are a part of the problem now, you think? What, what Aaron's saying? Yeah, like, I just was trying to figure out. Yeah, it's it's uh, he's all he's all pissed off about Big Brother, right? Everyone looking down and making in football decisions without having your best guy on the team. Why would you not want to have Aaron Rodgers? He's been in the league for, he's going on his 17th year, his 14th year as a starter. That's a hell of an input to have. And I thought Aaron put it very well. You know, I was just trying to be a resource for, you know, the organization that I love and that I work for. Why would you not want to have that resource to Aaron's point? Because like he said, he said it best. Green Bay is not a vacation destination. They're coming here to play with me. And, and this team, the Packers. No, they're coming to play with fucking Aaron Rodgers. So why would you not want to have someone like that? The stories of – there's the stories coming out where Aaron was recruiting Calvin Johnson mid-Lions-Packers games, how him and Marshawn Lynch were very close and how close he was to actually being in Green Bay instead of going to Seattle after his, after his time in Buffalo. There is numerous amounts of free agents that potentially could have wanted to come play in Green Bay's offense because of Aaron Rodgers – and we could be talking about a different amount of championships that Aaron could be having. I I think what it served was Aaron putting his foot down and really putting the whole front office in blast and putting under a microscope why it kind of sucks not having a team owner to really put their foot down. Because if they did, instead of having the whole, the whole city own it, you're buying your shares, as the Green Bay Packers do, you can have an owner saying, Goot, get the fuck out. We are not losing Aaron Rodgers. If I was the owner of the Packers, that's the last person that I, I want to lose on that roster. And one bad experience, you're going to tell five people. If you have a good experience, you're going to tell one person. That's the last person you want to talk about having bad experiences with your organization is your franchise quarterback who has been there for 
going on almost two decades. So I loved watching every single second of it. I had a smirk on my face, really sticking it to the man. When you got people like Pat Mahomes being listened to already, I guarantee you Tua, you don't think they listened to Tua getting that draft pick? You don't think they were listening to Joe Burrow when they picked that draft pick? It's embarrassing and disrespectful for a quarterback of his caliber to now having what he wants now this late in his career. It should have been taken care of a decade ago. Imagining Calvin Johnson in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, that seems just insane. Holy shit, that would be amazing. A, a more accurate pass in quadruple and triple coverage, just right yeah, in the hand. That's That would have been phenomenal to watch. We really got Calvin cheated. and then Marshawn in the background, in the backfield. That would have been nuts. I mean, we got cheated out of prime Calvin Johnson years, and that's just wrong. That's why we hate Detroit. Yeah, they stole Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson from us. I, you think we hate Detroit? No one hates Detroit more than Detroit. Oh, man. Yeah, that's just... I mean, we got Dan Campbell. He's out here slugging two 40-ounce coffees with double espresso shots in each of those. That's 80 ounces of coffee and four espresso shots just to get hyped to go 4-12. and 12. Which brings us on to our next point. We got our over-unders with our last division. Walter was so kind to let us hang on to the NFC North because yeah, boy, loves this division. Wonder why. We're going to start with the with the Detroit Lions where their over-under is set at four and a half, which we both scoffed at. We scoffed for Jared Goff-led team up to four and a half wins. Absolutely not. We're going with the under. It's the Lions. There's nothing to look forward on this team. I'm... I like Dan Campbell a lot. I really liked what he did with Miami when he took over as that interim head coach for that year. He was an electric press conference watch, as he currently is now. I just don't see it happening. You got Jared Goff. You got a top 17 quarterback in the league, a competent enough quarterback, but who's he throwing to? You have a nice backfield adding Jamal Williams, my guy. Panay Suel, yeah, you got a sensational generational player at that at that tackle position, but what about the other four guys? What about the guys that Jared Goff's supposed to throw to? Yeah, you got DeAndre Swift who had a nice year last year. You got you added Jamal Williams. So you got a two-headed running monster. They can play out of the backfield. I saw Jamal Williams, kid's an absolute beast. But if they want to play through the tackles, it's gonna be rough with that offensive line. And it's and it's Jared Goff. Yeah, he's a top competent quarterback, but I'm not gonna nothing on that team is competent to me right now outside of how great the press conferences are with Dan Campbell. So Wally, what's get me out of this fucking this is like this is like sitting at the DMV talking about the Lions. Get me in and out of this bitch. Yeah, no, this is it's not gonna be good. I'm glad you even mentioned yeah, because we we genuinely never talk about who we have going in before the show on over unders. This is the eighth and final division we've done. It's the first team we did because we were both like four and a half. They think that this team has four and a half wins in them. And I don't know where they're going to find them. We were going over to schedule before we started recording. They don't have an easy schedule. I don't know where the fifth win is. I think people are just a little too high on Jared Goff, probably because you do have that Super Bowl appearance. How much of that was Jared Goff? How much of that was that team around him? I think we're going to find a lot out now. Well, because he has no team behind him now. There's no team. There's nothing there. There's but to your there. point, Niners, Packers, Ravens, that's how you start. Bears, who are on, who are on the up, and that defense is going to be scary. And then the Vikings, who are going to be on the way up. Then you got the Bengals. You never know who you're going to get with them. 
Then you got the Rams, Eagles, Steelers, and eh. Browns, Bears, Vikings. Then you got to travel to mile high. You got, then you're playing Arizona at Atlanta at Seattle and with Green Bay. I don't I don't see a third win in here. No, you're completely right. I mean, when you look at the key, what, ads and key losses this year, you're even losing more than you're bringing in. This is already a team that has a culture of losing. And that, it kind of feels like a boring out when you talk about culture in the NFL. But it's something that if you played sports, that learned culture, it trickles through organizations, schools, franchises, what have you. And that's true. It is hard to basically redefine what your team expectations are. And their expectations are traditionally so low that when you take that decrease at quarterback, when you lose guys like Jared Davis, a very good, a very fast young linebacker, when you lose Kenny Galladay and replace him with the walking wounded Tyrell Williams, and that's Wally's Raiders legend Tyrell Williams we're talking about there. Oh, that Tyra Williams. Exactly. Thank you for exactly. The guy that caught the the what long bomb in the first game after AB left, and the whole stadium was chanting "fuck AB," which was awesome for the record. But yeah, it's this is a team that, I mean, their only highlight if you go through on teams basically like offensive passing team, the the rushing team, rushing defense, passing defense, they were twenty eighth or worse in all except passing offense last year. And you know that you can chalk that up to Matt Stafford. Let's reevaluate that at the end of the year because I don't think they're probably even top 20 with Jared Goff in the loss of Kenny Galladay. It just makes no sense. This team doomed to the under. Yeah, the Rams had the 13th best passing offense here last year. I don't I don't expect that to stay in that realm. I wouldn't go as far. I would I would go top 15. Maybe. And that's like, I'm actually going 15, 15 to 20, I think is where they're going to be at. So kind of on the same page, I'm on the lighter side where I think they're still a top 15, top 16. So top Man, better I, half, I guess my, but at the same time, I guess my biggest thing is it's Dan Campbell's Mr. Physicality bite off kneecaps. Let's win the old fashioned way. Then you had Sean McVay could only get a 13th ranked passing offense out of Jared Goff. That's true. That's true. So I just, I just imagine what he's going to do with Matt Stafford in L.A. and vice versa. Imagine what Jared Goff's going to do with the situation Matt Stafford's been locked in since Calvin Johnson retired. So I actually have the I have the under at plus 110 on my book. So I just threw $50 on the under four and a half. Oh, if you can find a plus 110. Yes, I I would do that. Minus minus 140 for the over. So what are we missing? What are we missing? If you guys know, at home have an idea, text us, tweet us, Facebook us, Instagram us. We want to know why we got plus money going for that under. Yeah, Kyle Butson, Brock Chamberlain, don't message me. Don't give me that bullshit. We all know they're going under four and a half, guys. Don't even don't even pretend you have a reason. I don't want to pretend that we've talked this long about the Lions. What's moving on the division? We're going to the Minnesota Vikings. Their over-under is set at nine flat. A couple key additions. Adding Pat Peterson in that secondary, Dalvin Tomlinson, and then obviously Sheldon Richardson at that nose tackle. Couple key losses, really any Anthony Harris, yeah, Kyle Rudolph, very old. Riley Reef, sick last name, but I'm, you know, are we are we really shaking anything? 
Well, Minnesota obviously did not make the playoffs here last year, but they're expected to make a jump compared to how they're playing. Got Dalvin Cook. Guy's an absolute stud. You know, you're adding secondary veteranness in Patrick Peterson. And we're going to be expecting Justin Jefferson to really take off in his sophomore year after having a, a amazing rookie year. Number one question, obviously, is are those other receivers, other targets, weapons that Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense are going to have? When you got that man, Dalvin Cook, you're going to have a lot you're going to be able to do. Now with the nine, I'm I'm going to go with just the over. I don't really think it matters because I think it's going to push. I, th- I can see them right at that nine and eight area. I'm not comfortable enough to give them that double digits and really hone in on hitting that over. But either way, you take it, it hits on that nine, you're getting your money back, and it's a push. You know, with this one, I guess I take the under because I like the money. It's a tad bit more value, so I'll go with that for now. Yeah, I kind of have a similar feeling to this Vikings team as I do with the Raiders, where you look at it, and I feel like they can compete with almost anyone in the league. But are you really afraid of this team come January? No, not really. I I just don't see this team being a threat, even if they found a way to 10 wins. I'm like you, where nine seems like the number here, but I would take the under just because the running game was clearly the emphasis for this offense last year. They did address the offense line pretty heavily in the draft again this year. They had uh, Christian Darisau in the first round before drafting Wyatt Davis in the third. They had three third-round picks, actually. Kellen Mond being another one of them. I just don't see this team taking a step forward. I kind of feel like they're stuck in purgatory right now. They're going to hover at that eight or nine win mark. Like you, I guess purely because of the value side of it, I would take the under, but I wouldn't probably bet this one. Just being completely honest with you, it doesn't make sense to me. This is a team that's not going to make the playoffs. They're also going to be in the hunt all year. Just a gross team. I, I don't know. I, I Do you have anything else you want to add? Because I'm good just flowing into the Bears. All right, sweet. Well, then we are just going to go into the Bears. The Vikings really... I, I'll, I'll just go out and say it. They're like the Broncos for my division. You're not worth me. You're not worth my time. I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm crumping up the page right now. You hear it? Page just got crumpled. We're on to the Bears. Hit him with, the, hit him with that Tony Reale camera. Yeah, I'm going to chuck it at the freaking mic next time. I will say this, though. Good luck, Steven. Chicago Bears time. And you know this is this year's Washington football team for me. Really high on them because you know Justin Fields at some point is going to get in. Red Rifle won't hold that job forever. They're over-under set at 7.5. The over at plus 100. The under at minus 115. I'm taking the over. I think you're going to see this team be a fringe Wild card team again. This past year, you brought in both of your top two quarterbacks as Mitchell Trubisky is on the way out. You brought in Justin Fields through the draft. You traded out for him. Andy Dalton likely is going to start the season, and he's going to be a solid backup, but he's not going to be that long-term guy. They did lose a couple guys worth mentioning here. Kyle Fuller, Roy Robertson-Harris, and then, of course, Cordero Patterson, Not the flashiest name on there, but he's one of the best return specialists in the game's history. He's still at a very high level, and that is a loss, and I did want to bring that up. But a couple notes here before I throw it over to you. They did move up from 20 to get Justin Fields. They also moved up to get Tevin Jenkins, who was one of the tackles I wanted the Raiders to potentially look at in round one. So they had two picks I was very high on. 
after they did have to give up that ammunition, though, they didn't have any more picks to the fifth round. So, realistically, these were guys that they brought in for the long haul. They realized this isn't going to be a plug-and-play year. And with, I guess, a situation like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, it allows the Bears to be a little bit more patient and say, hey, we're going to actually construct this the right way so that when Rodgers is gone, whether that be next year or a couple of years from now, we can step in and be a legitimate contender in the NFC North. So I'm taking the over. I'm high on them. High on Justin Fields once he gets in. I really do think this is going to be the first time as a Bears fan in a while. You're like, you know what? We might really have something clicking here long-term. Steven, what are your thoughts? I figure you're not nearly as high on them as I am. I'm not not high on the Chicago Bears. Obviously, they have a lot of questions at quarterback. They got that loaded quarterback room between Foles, Andy Dalton, Justin Fields. Now, with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy being on the hot seat this year, I'm not going to be surprised if we see Justin Fields in sooner rather than later. But, man, I mean, the start of their schedule, they can get hot early. But then the back end of it, you got – you know, you start with the Rams. You know, for the record, the NFC North, they're, pay, they're playing the NFC West and the AFC North. And then sprinkled in a couple different interconference games. You know, depending on the team, they have they have different opponents. But they start with the Rams. You know, then you got the Bengals. Then you got the Browns. Bengals are always going to be a tough out depending on how hot they want to start. Got the Lions. Yeah, got the Raiders. And we'll see how they're going to be. They got Packers, Bucks, Niners, Steelers, Ravens. That is a hell of a five-game stretch right there. Then you come back with Detroit. You play Arizona. You're playing Green Bay. Green Bay, Minnesota, Seattle. Giants are always a tough game, especially late in that division when it seems like no one's ever out until the triple zeros hit on the last game of the year. They end the year with the Vikings. So a, a division game. All potentially more than half. Let's go. One, two, maybe three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Got eight. You have eight playoff teams, two of them which you play twice. So that's ten games against playoff, against teams that are going to be playing in the playoffs. I have Chicago at seven and ten, right under. Strictly because of how young they're going to be on the offensive side of the ball. Are they going to have Andy Dalton? How is Justin Fields going to look once he does enter? And like I said, with with those, the GM and the head coach being on the hot seat, maybe it's going to be sooner rather than later. And the Rams is going to be a hell of a fucking first game to play against the defense that was number one overall last year for a majority of the year until Tampa Bay really took over. The youth at quarterback and just the quarterback play in general, which that's something Chicago is very used to hearing. That is going to be my number one question mark. That defense is – going to be playing at a higher level what they were probably 13th 14th overall they're 12th 12th pass defense 15th rush defense so right there in the middle and Cleo Mack not really playing a true position last year where he got to rush the quarterback a lot he's going to be getting back to that and I think this defense is going to be very scary they do have a new defensive coordinator running the show but there are still a lot of studs on that defensive side of the ball where they will keep you in those games. I just don't know if they're there offensively yet. And it's a lot easier. It's going to be a lot easier to assess once you see Justin Fields play. Cause I've heard nothing but great things out of him from training camp. I'm expecting him to blossom play very well in his rookie year. When he gets that, I just think it's going to be a little bit too late in the toughness of schedule. That is a tough schedule. I think anywhere top to bottom in this division, 
I have Chicago going seven to ten, ready to make that leap next year once they have Justin Fields, a little bit more games underneath his belt. No, I actually don't entirely disagree with you on the scheduling part of it, especially just because notice with all those teams that we brought up, we had seven and a half, we had four and a half, we had nine and a half, and then the Packers, which we'll jump into right now. Let me go first, just because that way I'll let you sound off here. The Packers over-under is only set at 10. And that surprised me because we thought, and we said, I want to say about a month ago, that the line being originally at 9 was that not sure if Aaron Rodgers is coming back or not from the books. And it only went up a game, which was a little bizarre to me, especially when you consider the fact it's a 17-game schedule now. I don't know necessarily, I guess the biggest concern would be that almost like a Super Bowl hangover where Rodgers hasn't been in that facility, that I guess that team rapport might be a little off, but I'm still taking the over. The over's at minus 125. They are going to win this division this year, especially with Rodgers back. The under was set at minus 105, but again, like I said, the over to me jumps out. I know they didn't really add anybody of note here. And you did lose Corey Lindsley, Jamal Williams to the Detroit Lions. Not like that matters. And then Christian Kirksey. So you do lose a couple people. So I can understand the potential for the little bit of a fall off, but for this team to lose more than seven games, I think it would take an Aaron Rodgers injury to happen. It would take something like Justin Fields starting early and being much better than we thought where the Bears would sweep the Packers, which I don't think has a shot. So, yeah, I, I think it's a little bit bizarre. I, I I know that the future beyond this year doesn't look great. Even, like, the draft picks, I'll let you talk more about that, where you guys start with Eric Stokes, go Josh Myers, before you get to a, a weapon for Aaron Rodgers and Amari Rodgers. That threw me off saying Rodgers twice in a row, so throw, forget that, but... Well, A. Rodgers and A. Rodgers. Exactly. Aaron Amari. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm proud of you, man. Look at you. Uh, those speech classes are really coming in. Yeah, exactly. Make me look less like an idiot would be awesome. That's all we're looking for. But no, yeah, I guess I'm going to just turn it over to you. I'm going to let you go off. But for me, I'm taking that over. I still think this is, I mean, it's got one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. I, I trust in Aaron Rodgers. If he gets hurt, then I'll doubt. Easy over. Steven, what do you got in your own Packers here? Yeah, this one, you know, NFC North schedule this year is absolutely insane. This one's a little bit rough for me to really get an eye on. Right now, This is and this is a stretch. Right now, this is why it's a little bit too early once we really get into the full show. I got them right there again, trifecta of 13 wins. Um, we they go off against the Saints. I think that's an easy Saints and Lions, two and zero. Go out to Candlestick or what used to be Candlestick in San Francisco. I chalked that up as a loss. I have them beating the Steelers, beating the Bengals, Bears, losing to Washington, beating the Cardinals and the Seahawks, losing to Kansas City, beating the Rams again. Which that one I can flip flop. I only gave it that one because it, it was in Green Bay. Um, beating Chicago, losing to the Ravens, beating the Browns. Vikings and the Lions to end it. So the four losses, Niners, Washington football team, Kansas City, and Baltimore. So there that and those losses, that's not even including the hard wins that I'm kind of on the fence about. Those those games against the Browns. We don't know how those Browns are going to be. But what I do know about the Green Bay Packers that I've been following my entire life is when you get a football team like the Cleveland Browns 
like a Washington football team, like a New York Giants team with that front seven that's filthy and that secondary that can do something, it's always give Aaron Rodgers problems. I know it sounds kind of cliche, Aaron Rodgers, number one kryptonite, a top three defense to play against because the man cannot get it done. Everyone can, you know, get that game against Tampa Bay is probably one of his best against a top a top defense, but those games against some of those Seattle teams, that Denver team that, that Peyton was on, Man, I think they, they held Aaron to like 96 passing yards. It was the most horrific football game I've ever seen him play in my entire life. So I still have those nerves when you're playing teams like a Baltimore, a Washington, an L.A. team that can do that, even the Steelers now. And, of course, the you know great practice with the Chicago Bears. But I'm very interested to see how Eric Stokes is going to play in that secondary, pairing him up with Jair Alexander, arguably the best cornerback outside of Jalen Ramsey in the league. Josh Myers has been getting a ton of praise from the man himself, Aaron Rodgers. He's very impressed with how he's coming along, so I like it. Those OSU centers always uh, always fare pretty well for us because we're going on to back-to-back centers coming from OSU. Corey Lindsay did us pretty well, so I'm excited for what this team is going to look like. This offense, I haven't been excited for an offense like this in Green Bay in quite some time. Even with the addition of Randall Cobb, I really wasn't that high on it, but now over – Looking it over, he's not going to be your thousand-yard guy. He's going to be your seven. He's going to be your six fifty to eight eight fifty, right there in the slot. But they have a loaded receiver room with. You got Devontae. You got Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers. You got Devin Funches coming back from last year. That's not including Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez Scantling, all those guys. So we have an opportunity to actually have some depth and use a lot of these guys at the receiving position, and not even. And that's still excluding Robert Tony, the tight end that was. He was producing last year, maybe Stunned not in the yards, but with a Stunned bunch of the touchdowns. How much, how well Robert Tunyon played? Oh, just his 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 touchdowns. He he wasn't going to blow you away with yards, but I mean, dude had, I think he scored like six touchdowns in like four weeks. He was just going on a tear, and he's more of our blocking guy with that two tight end heavy run offense. So I like him, and you can't forget about Aaron Jones in that backfield and what AJ Dillon can do. So always always high expectations when Aaron Rodgers is leading your Green Bay Packers team 13 wins I understand that's a stretch you guys know I've been probably the most realist uh, Packers fan you'll ever meet I'm going over with that 10 I'm not sold on it being 13 but I'm definitely not sold on Green Bay losing more than six six or seven games well and even if God forbid they did go 10 and 7 this year that's going to win the division in the NFC North the Vikings what at best would you say maybe a 10 win team and it always seems like you have their number so you'd imagine that you guys at the least split there the bears again i think they're probably a year away as well i think that you got to just drink this in if you're a packer fan probably got at least one more division title you know got coming on here but beyond that drink this year and we don't know how long aaron Rodgers is up there in lambo and quite frankly, that's all I wanted going into this offseason. Like, I didn't want this to just be sour, Aaron go off somewhere, then he just comes back with Green Bay circled on his schedule, ready to fucking tear our heads off. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna have Aaron Rodgers, I at least want a farewell tour because I will be October 10th in Cincinnati for the Cincy Packers game. And I can potentially be up in uh, Lambeau for the Christmas Christmas Day game against the Brownies. Got some friends that wanna who doesn't want to go to Lambeau. Freeze your dick off with your friends and get absolutely blacked out for Christmas. Fuck your family. That sounds way better. You cannot deny that, Wally. 
I just remember how cold it gets there. That's what bothers me about that. Nothing a couple spotted cows can't fix, baby. You need Throw like those a back. couple cases of spotted cow to make that cold up there. Like, I I'm a booze hound, not a booze pup. I am ready for it. Here's a fun, stupid, random story for you, and then we'll wrap up for everybody. We, My family moved up to Wisconsin in going into my sophomore year of high school. You know what the rules are in Ohio and other places in that like lower Midwest range that if the what wind chill gets into negative degrees, school's canceled. So there was a day I remember checking the weather report the day before, and it's gonna be like negative fifteen with wind chill. I didn't even set an alarm. I'm like, this place is awesome. I'm just like not gonna have to go to school. And I remember my mom having to like knock on my brother's door and mine, like, hey. Dude, like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, uh, <laughs> it's negative 15 degrees outside, Mom. I'm not going to school. And then apparently up there, there's just, like, no laws. I don't remember what the number is. It's probably, like, 30 degrees. So I, there was a 19-day stretch my first year up there that the wind chill was in the negatives. Never again. Never again. That sets the president up. That's that's what happened to me my first, my first year in Columbus. That was the year that... It got to like negative 20 a few times and they actually canceled OSU and it was like making the news like OSU canceled their classes. It was the first the time first we canceled time since like, like 77 or 78. Yeah, so it was, I I remember that. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I just came here from the South. But after that, every winter has been a walk in the park. And unfortunately, well, as much as I could talk about my Packers football with it being back, training camp, who who's looking good, who's looking bad, who's hurt, who's missing time. Geez, I can just go on just explaining all the different things we can talk about. That brings us to another episode here of Loss of Down. It was amazing to see your face, Wally. It took us a couple couple different uh, websites to be able to see each other's faces, but we made it work because, man, that lettuce is looking great. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms that we have been slacking on. Nothing new there, but we really need to start getting it now that football season's back and we're rolling and we're getting close to getting back to each week, not every couple weeks. Twitter, down underscore loss. We've got your Instagram and Facebook, loss of down. He is Walter Lukashensky. I am Stephen Weed. Wally, any parting words? No, not really, honestly. Uh, just again, fired up. We're almost back now. About a month from now, we're going to be having real football to talk about. I know what, college football starting in like three weeks. NFL, we got a yeah, couple Yeah, well, whatever. You, have, you yeah. have another podcast for college football. It's all about pro here, baby. <laughs> You're not kidding. So, yeah, man, I'm just fired up. We're, we're almost there, buddy. Remember, if you guys want to get your college fix, especially for the Big Ten, what, pigskins and nylon? My man Wally and a couple of his buddies love deep diving in all the Big Ten. Maybe getting a little bit of the drama. Is there going to be a shakeup in the Big Ten, or is that just the Big 12 and the SEC? Man, I tell you what, it's a lot of fun. We went really hard into it last week. We're going to go more in tomorrow. But, yeah, it's been kind of crazy. I'm kind of hoping that the Big Ten vultures a couple of these other teams, like maybe out west, to compete a little with the SEC. But go check that out. Same thing. Twitter, Instagram, everything. Figure it out. Steven, I appreciate you letting me plug shit. Oh, I thought, you know, I think it's the least I could do. And, of course, he's Wally. I'm Steven. Until next time, we are lost of down. We cannot wait to be back talking about gambling next week. Two weeks. Dwayne Haskins is the GOAT. Comeback player of the year, question mark?